Christians for centuries have looked to the Bible as their source of knowledge and truth about God and the world around us. If Christians are supposed to revere this old book so much, well then Christians ought to understand what the purpose and intent behind the book of books is. On this podcast, Andrew and I will sit down and go through what the authors of the Bible believed about the books that they were writing. We will ask questions such as, do the biblical authors think that what they were writing is from God? Or a question like, do the authors of the Bible believe what they were writing was true? Hopefully by the end of this episode, you will grow in your understanding of the book that has been the world's number one bestseller for almost 2,000 years. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Increase Theology Podcast, helping you increase in the knowledge of God. Welcome to the Increase Theology Podcast. I'm Andrew, and I'm joined by Nathaniel. And we're going to be talking about how we should view the the scriptures. So, Nathaniel, why don't we start off by having you explain what is scripture? Good question to start off with, Andrew. Um, So when we're talking about the scripture, the first verse that comes to mind is uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Um, which defines really what Scripture is. And that, uh, that passage says all Scripture is breathed out by God. And so the idea of Scripture is that true Scripture is a word that is spoken from God as opposed to a word spoken by man, right? So, you know, you, we can say things uh, as humans that maybe are true or accurate, but it's different in terms of authority when God speaks it, right? Um, because he is in charge of everything. And so when he says something, it goes. You know, if Nathaniel says something, right, then, you know, it may be true, it may be wrong, and we can be the, you know, we can use different things to judge how true it is. But when God says something, we know it's true, and on top of that, it's authoritative, and therefore we have to obey what it says. So all Scripture is breathed out by God. That's really what Scripture is. And then it's profitable for teaching and reproof and for correction and training in righteousness, as the rest of the verse says. The man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So when you think of Scripture, what you want to think out, what you want to think of is um, something that is spoken by God. So, how uh, how exactly would you, how exactly is the Scripture? Was the Scripture formed? Like how did it, how did it come together? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so. I mean, we don't get every single detail about how we got every book in our Bible, right? So we don't necessarily know all the details of how we got the book of Esther or the book of Job. Um, some books we do know how they got into our Bible. We, we know specifically who uh, traditionally is, wrote it. Um, but we do get some clue, in at least in general practice, of how the scriptures formed. Um, and the key passage for that would be 2 Peter 1. Um, in 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21, it talks about how men were um, carried along by the Holy Spirit. Men who spoke from God were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so God guided men through the Holy Spirit, and he did so in their own historical and cultural context and in their individual situation. But even in their context and in their individual situation, he was able to use that to speak his authoritative message. Um, in that passage in Second Peter, it says that, Um, knowing first of all that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, right? This isn't something that people just said, oh, this sounds good, therefore 
this must be scriptural, this must be God speaking. It was much more than that. It wasn't just someone's interpretation. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, uh, but men spoke from God, right? So if you read like uh, the prophets, like you read Jeremiah, um, he will point out how there's all these false prophets and these false teachers and how they're making all these false things that God, that they claim God is saying out of their own mind and out of their own heart. So we know that it's not, uh, so th- this has been an idea since the Old Testament, that there is a distinction between what man can just come up with with his head and then what God's authoritative message is. Because man can reason himself into anything, and man can claim anything. Um, but when God says it, it's on a different level. It's, it's so much more authoritative. So men were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Um, and we get kind of a glimpse of how this worked in, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, where the Lord pro- uh, prophesies and Moses prophesies by the Lord, about this future prophet that will come to Israel, and it says about this future prophet that the Lord will put his words in, his, in this prophet's mouth and that the prophet will speak to them all that the Lord has commanded the prophet to say. Um, and we know further on in the New Testament, this is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the one thing I want to get with this passage in Deuteronomy 18 is that the, the Lord would put his words in the mouths of the prophets. So, yes, they are in their own context. These prophets and apostles are in their own individual situations, but yet it's somehow the word of the Lord at the same time. The Spirit is guiding it, and therefore it's on a different level than just, you know, any other book. So what did the, what did the writers of the Bible, the different books of the Bible, how did they view what they were writing and the other books written by other authors? How did they, how did they view the scriptural writings yeah that's a that's a good question so there's like a million different angles you could go with that right what did the biblical authors believe about scripture um but that's a really good question that really deserves a lot more time probably than we'll get on this episode but the key is that uh, these these prophets believe certain these authors of the bible and these apostles who wrote these epistles and things like that they had things that they believed to were true about the scriptures that they were writing. And I think it's just important that whenever we read any text, any book, we want to know, first of all, what was the author's perspective? What was the author saying or thinking when they wrote this? And in this case, the authors are twofold. God is ultimately the author, but at the same time, God is using human agents who are also the authors of these scriptures. Um, So six things come to mind about what did the biblical authors believe about scripture? So, first of all, Scripture is from God, um, and we've touched on that a little bit so far, but we'll, t- we'll talk more about that as we go on. And then we see that every word of Scripture is important. They said every word, even every letter, was important, right? So that's, that's why it's so important that we have these textual critics, right, that look at these manuscripts and they study these things, um, because the, these, these textual critics are going to be arguing over the little letters in these old manuscripts, and we value people who do that. And there's a reason for that, because the biblical authors said every word of Scripture is important. Um, the biblical authors believed that the Scripture was true and without error. They believed in inerrancy and infallibility. And we'll touch more on that as we go on. Um, they believed that Scripture was recognized early, right? So it wasn't as if... Um, a thousand years after Moses died, then we credit the book to Moses. No, they believed that Moses wrote the book and it was given to, that it was credited early. 
It wasn't as if um, a thousand years later, then we said, oh, Samuel was the inspiration behind 1 Samuel. No, we, we, we have reason to believe that early on. Um, so that's the fourth thing. Scripture was recognized early. The fifth thing is that scriptures confirm each other, right? So um, they'll be quoting one another. They'll be saying, this is part of the Bible. This is another part of the Bible, right? We'll talk about how uh, Peter will quote Paul and things like that. Um, and the sixth, we have that scripture is knowable. It's not just in the head, like it's not just all headiness, right? You don't have to have a PhD to understand the Bible as much as maybe that will help. Scripture is knowable even to the average person. So those are the things we'll touch on as we go on. Those six things. Scripture is from God. Every word of Scripture is important. Scripture is true and without error. The Scriptures were recognized early. Number five, Scriptures confirm each other. Number six, Scripture is knowable. So I guess let's start with that Scripture is from God. So what exactly does that mean? Because God didn't exactly write out all Scripture himself with his own hand. Yeah, so... What does it mean that Scripture is from God? I mean, I think this, this point out of the six points is uh, probably the clearest, that the biblical authors clearly believe that Scripture is from God. Um, so, like, throughout the Scriptures, you'll see the prophets say, this is the word of the Lord, thus says the Lord. Um, so, clearly, they thought, this is God speaking. This is more than just a man speaking. This is the word of God. Um, you'd find throughout the, the New Testament in particular you'll find things that say, it is written, and then they'll quote the Old Testament, right? And what they're saying there is, this is the authoritative word of God. It's like, it's as if you're saying, this is the law, this is how things are, right? This is what God has spoken, right? It is written. You see Jesus quote the Old Testament in early in the Gospels, in uh, Matthew as well, and his um, other Gospels, when he's getting the temptation um, in the desert. He's dealing through that, and he quotes scripture to fight off the devil and says, it is written. This is just the truth. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Right? So scripture is clearly, from the biblical author's perspective, from God. And that goes by definition, right? So we just read 2 Timothy 3.16, right? All scripture is God-breathed. By definition, the word scripture means something God-breathed. So we can argue whether or not something is scripture or not scripture. Right, so you can argue if it's scripture or not scripture, and when you're saying something is not scripture, what you're arguing is it's not God-breathed. And when you're saying something is scripture, you're saying it is God-breathed. So one verse that really helps to drive this point home is that Jesus in Mark chapter 12 says, um, when rebuking the Pharisees, he says, Is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you neither know the scriptures nor the power of God. Right, so you see that correlation there, the scriptures and the power of God. They're deeply connected. And there's a million other verses you could quote here to prove this point. But it's pretty clear as you read the, the Bible that when people were talking about Scripture, they meant something that God was speaking. So thinking about the idea that every word of Scripture is important, is it really true that we should take everything from Scripture as important? Because there are some things that aren't all that desirable to, for us to look at whenever, at least in our modern age. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's a good question. Right, so um, let's start off with it's just showing that every word of Scripture in the eyes of the people that wrote the Bible, every word of Scripture was important, right? So, for instance, in Matthew chapter 4, uh, Jesus writes that man shall not live by bread alone, 
but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is what Jesus says. Matthew writes this. But every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's quoting Deuteronomy. But this is, um, this is what's important. It's not just, oh, we're generally inspired, like as in, oh, I was, it's the same thing as, when we're talking about scriptural inspiration, it's not the same thing as, oh, I was inspired to um, play a pretty song on the piano. No, what we're saying is this is the, like, God himself is working through what you're writing to speak to us, right, directly. Um, so it's every word of God from the mouth of God is important, right? Um, in Matthew chapter 5, the very next chapter, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota or a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Now, some people trying to support the reliability of the scriptures might take this verse a little too far, but I think what you can get from this verse is that God cares even about the little punctuation marks in the scripture, right? So God cares about the iota is like, you know, like the top of the I, right? Like the dot on top of an I or top of a J. Imagine that. Like God cares about that much is how much he cares about scripture. That's important. Right? And by the way, this is how people viewed Scripture, and this is how people thought about Scripture back in the days of the early Jewish uh, leaders. Right? So you think of the Masoretic texts. If they had one mess up of a single letter, they would have to throw out the whole manuscript because they, couldn't, they could not accept any errors in their manuscripts. They'd have to just redo the whole thing. Right? So they had to care about every word. Um, so it's pretty clear that God cares just about, about every letter in the scripture. Um, so for another instance is that Paul will argue in Galatians about the plural versus singular nature of the word seed, right? So he's going to make a point saying it doesn't say seeds in Genesis, it says seed. Now, isn't that interesting? That's only one letter difference, right? Plural versus singular. But according to the authors of the Bible, Paul and the Lord Jesus Christ, these things mattered. Just like the, even the little letters, those things matter. Right? In Deuteronomy, it says uh, similarly that, uh, to make this point, that everything that the Lord commands you, you shall be careful to do it. You shall not add to it or take away from it. You can't add a word. You can't take away from it. It all matters. Proverbs 36, do not add to the words of the Lord. Right? Revelation 22 um, John writes that he warns everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from them, um, the Lord will add to him curses. So John cared about the words, of, about the, every word in the scripture, right? So we, we should care about these things as well. Um, the little things in Scripture are important. That's why we appreciate textual critics and people that study these manuscripts, because they're going to look and they're going to argue over the little things, the little letters, because those things are important. So let's talk a little bit about um, the Scriptures completely lacking error, because, I mean, wouldn't it be possible that, you know, a little mistake here and there could have been written in when these things were written? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so the, the biblical authors clearly believe that the scriptures were true and lacking error, right? So Psalm talks about how God's laws, God's law is true, right? You read like Psalm 119, right? The sum of your word is truth, right? 
Um, and Jesus clearly emphasized this idea, especially in the Gospel of John. Right? John 17, 17, he says that God's word is truth. Right? So it makes just logical sense, right? God cannot lie, so therefore why would God's word be have error in it? God cannot sin, he cannot mess up, so why would his word have error in it? Um, John 10, 35, scripture cannot be broken, right? Psalm 19, the word of the, the law of the Lord is perfect. That's the idea of inerrancy, right? Um, that we have to uh, accept the idea that the scriptures themselves are lacking error. And when we say this, we're, we're not saying that there maybe wasn't, there was maybe errors in the manuscripts that came afterwards. So to be clear, we're saying that the original manuscripts, right? So... Um, the first, like when John was writing his original manuscript in the Gospel of John, his original manuscript would have been without error, right? Because it's the Word of God. Now, people that were copying that years later, who are not inspired in the same way um, as John is by the Holy Spirit, they could have messed up, right? They could have had um, uh, punctuation errors and things like that. And that's why we need textual critics today that study these manuscripts. But when God speaks, he does not mess up, right? And so we can say that the scriptures are true. Whatever God says lacks error. Um, and so then the argument is not whether God's word messed up. It's arguing over, did people who are copying the manuscripts make mistakes? And that's what the people who are doing textual criticism, that's what their job is. Um, but the Lord himself cannot fail in his word, right? He cannot mess up. Psalm 19.9 says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever, and the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Whatever God says, it's true. right? So um, many other verses could be used to defend this point. But the scriptures by the biblical authors were believed to be true and lacking error. So exactly how early were the scriptures recognized? Because, um, I mean, we could obviously see over time them being accepted and maybe after some councils made some decisions, but were they really recognized um, as from God from from the beginning? Yeah, great question. So the scriptures were recognized early, and when I say that, what I mean is the scriptures weren't recognized as the word of God maybe a thousand years later after they were written. So it wasn't as if uh, Exodus was a book, and a thousand years later someone was like, oh, this is... God's word, this is God speaking, ooh la la. No, this was early on, right as it was written, it claims that it was the word of God. Um, this was early on recognized. So Moses' books were recognized early as God's word. You can read this in Deuteronomy where um, he gives the book of the law to the priest and they put it in the Ark of the Covenant, right? So right away people are like, well, Moses said something, therefore it's the word of God. It wasn't hundreds or thousands of years later that people start thinking this. This was right away. This is the contemporaries of Moses believing this. Joshua's writing, you can read in Joshua chapter 24, Joshua's writing were seen as God's word early, right? Um, Samuel, right? First Samuel talks about how he wrote the book and then he would put it in the tabernacle, right? So Samuel is the inspiration behind first Samuel in particular, right? Um, What's interesting, so there's other passages that kind of confirm this point, right? So you think about Jeremiah. So Jeremiah would have been living in the time of Daniel, right? So Jeremiah would have been a little older than Daniel, but they would have been alive around the same time. 
Um, Daniel would have been taken to Babylon pretty early, and Jeremiah would have been um, a few decades older than him at that time. But they were living around the same time period. Um, but then in Daniel chapter 9, it talks about that in the first reign, that first year of Darius's reign, Daniel perceived in the book the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So here's Daniel during the time of Darius, during the Persian rule. Um, Jeremiah has probably passed away by this point. But here's Daniel already reading the book of Jeremiah and believing it that it's the word of the Lord. So it's already recognized early. Um, here he is as a contemporary of Jeremiah, and already Jeremiah's words are considered to be God's words. They're, they're seen as authoritative, right? Now, this also works, uh, Jeremiah quotes the book of Micah. Now, Micah would have been one generation apart from Jeremiah. And within one generation, the prophet Micah's words were considered the word of God, right? So it's not like these things were uh, thousands of years later recognized as part of the Bible. But it was pretty quickly, right away, people said, oh, no, that's the word of God. That's the word of God. Now, much more could be labored on this point, right, like about the church councils um, or, you know, the uh, different debates people might have had um, back then. Um, but um, to save more time on this podcast, just remember that the scriptures were recognized early, and they were recognized with the word of God, not a thousand years later, but early on. So some of the newer scriptures, maybe like um, the New Testament, how exactly is the, the Old Testament viewed, and um, is it really viewed as, as, as like God's word then? And how exactly is, uh, is that considered? Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so it's nice to know that the, the biblical authors quote um, and allude to the Old Testament hundreds of times, literally hundreds of times. Some people claim around 800 times. Um, some go as low as 300 uh, but even if we take the lower number of like 300 times, it quotes or alludes to the Old Testament. That's tons of times. And it's almost always quoted as the word of the Lord, right? This is how, we, this is how the people early on in the New Testament recognized the word of God, right? And so Jesus would oftentimes quote the Old Testament. Um, so in Matthew, Jesus quotes Moses and considers his word to be scripture. Um, and all these biblical authors reference one another, right? So in Luke, uh, Jesus in Luke 24 considers the whole t Old Testament to be the word of God, right? He quotes and says, the law and the prophets spoke of me. The law and the prophets and the Psalms spoke of me. And when it says the law and the prophets, it's a way of describing all the 39 books that we have in our Old Testament today, right? So Jesus all, all the time quotes the Old Testament. Paul recognized the law and the prophets to, to be scriptural, so Romans 3 talks about um, you know, how initially um, God's oracles were given to the Jewish people. Um, and so he recognized the law and the prophets to also be scriptural. Um, Acts talks about how Peter would quote David's writing, and he, he credited the, some of the Psalms to David and then said that they were scripture, not just scripture, but that they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. So this just shows how important it is that we know who wrote these books, right? So if Joe Schmo down the road wrote something um, and said that it was part of the Bible, it really wouldn't matter, 
because it's Joe Schmo. We don't care who that is. But if we had a prophet or a priest or a king or an apostle who writes a book um, inspired by God, then we can be seen as the word of the Lord. That's why it matters about these debates over who wrote these books. Those really do impact things. Right? Those really do matter. Um, so that, that's really how people viewed the Old Testament and in the times of the New Testament, that people believed that uh, these prophets were speaking the oracles of God. And then Jesus kind of goes on to say that they were speaking of him. These prophecies were speaking about the coming of Christ, right? And Jesus himself believed that what he was saying was just as authoritative as these prophets, right? So he talks about in John chapter 14, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. So Jesus thought that he spoke the word of God just as much as these prophets. Um, and Hebrews would confirm this, you know, long ago God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, right? So they're saying God did speak to us through that Old Testament, but then in these last days he's speaking to us through the Son. Um, First Corinthians would talk about that how Paul thought the things that he wrote were the command of the Lord. First, that's 1 Corinthians 14, 37, 38. If anyone thinks he's a prophet, then let him recognize that the things I write are the command of the Lord. Right? So not only do they trust the Old Testament, but they believed in the words of Jesus, and the apostles were certain that what they were writing was also Scripture. The last point, um, are the Scriptures knowable? So do we know for sure, like, are we actually able to know exactly what the scriptures are trying to tell us? I mean, there are a lot of different interpretations and things. Are we able to fully understand what God is trying to communicate with us? So much could be labored on to this point, but yes, the scriptures are knowable, right? Now, are there tough parts of scriptures to grasp? Yes, there are tough passages of scriptures to grasp, right? So Peter, in Second Peter, he even writes that Paul um, writes things that are hard to understand, um, but what's interesting about that passage in particular is he also, and this is in Second uh, Peter 3, 15, and 16, he confirms that Paul's writings are also scriptures and that people will twist Paul's writings um, as they do with the other scriptures of what he says. So if you disagree with Paul, you're disagreeing um, with scripture and you're disagreeing with Peter as well, right? So these guys confirm one another. Um, but yes, there are some tough parts of scriptures to grasp, but... Scripture is not beyond us with the help of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is there to teach us, right? So we quoted 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 earlier, but we need to go back to that, that it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Now, if Scripture wasn't understandable, then why would the authors of the Bible think that it is, right? Clearly, if, it, if it's not understandable, then why is it profitable to make us complete and fit for every good work? It doesn't make any sense. But the thing is, the scriptures are knowable. Yeah, so they're tough parts in Ezekiel to understand 100%. But even a child can understand John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Right? So there are tough parts, but the Spirit helps us understand. And clearly the authors of the Bible believe this too. Right? So in Ezra... Ezra comes back from the land of Babylon. He has studied the scriptures really well, and it says that he had set his heart to study the law of the Lord. But then he also set his heart to do what the Lord said, and then to teach the statutes and the rules to Israel. 
And so Ezra considered the scriptures to be knowable for him, but he also considered it to, to be knowable for the common Jews. And this is interesting because they probably didn't have great um, you know, schools in Babylon to learn about Judaism during his time, right? So a lot of these Jews are probably coming back and they really didn't have much knowledge of the Jewish beliefs and Jewish, the Jewish text. Who knows? Maybe they would have even been illiterate. And yet Ezra is convinced that he can also teach them, you know, so they probably they weren't trained to read the law because they had just come back from captivity. But here he is, and he thought the common person could learn the word of God. So here's Ezra, totally believing scriptures are knowable, right? Um, Psalm one nineteen is f- uh, fantastic about uh, it. Just it just quotes over and over again how much the author of Psalm one nineteen just desires to know the word of God. And we need to have that attitude as well. And Psalm 119 verse 59, it says, when I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies, right? When I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. So he reads the word of the Lord and then he changes his life to it, right? And so that's teaching us that I can adjust my life to scripture. It's knowable. It's very knowable. And then my last verse, I'll labor on to this point, is in John 7, 17, Jesus says, If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. So if you desire to do God's will, you will know whether the teaching is from God. And you'll recognize that Jesus is the prophesied Messiah, right? But the question is not... You know, is it even possible to understand scriptures? It is with the help of the Holy Spirit. The question is, is it your will to do God's will? That's what the question is. And so, you like, this is the litmus test of the true believer. Is your will to do God's will? Um, if you're truly seeking God, the Holy Spirit will help you understand his word and have discernment. Um, but the scriptures are knowable with the help of the Holy Spirit. Well, thanks, thanks for that, Nathaniel. Uh, we hope you were encouraged by these words and um, this knowing the knowledge that uh, God's God's word is uh, is is trustworthy and true. Um, we thank you for joining us, and we hope you'll join us next time in the next podcast. See you later.